Welcome to the Sporting Ones Fantasy Premier League podcast for a Wednesday night just before the start of the season, which is Saturday morning Australian time. Mo Money, Mo Problems, first episode for the season, season preview. I'm with, uh, I'm the Sporting One, I'm with my co-host Hados, who is the Fantasy Oracle. How you doing, Paulie? Good to have you back on board for another season. We are just winding down in the AFL, and now it's time to wrap our heads around probably the hardest version of fantasy that I'm aware of. Oh, no, there's one harder. It's NFL fantasy, so but don't go there. Do not go there. I've still got to get my head around that. So we're refreshed. We're back. I've got a new couple of theories in mind, a new few more experiments, perhaps from my AFL season, that I can carry on into this. And maybe it means... Less transfers this season. Okay, well, we'll wait and see because everyone always promises less transfers, but uh, as the season rolls on, you get more and more desperate and there's that temptation to transfer willy-nilly throughout the season at all times. Yeah, not to mention, do, do we dare mention two seasons ago when I was tired, the wedding was on, and a certain negative amount of players? Oh, we can mention that as many times as you like. <laughs> I think that's... Uh, that's a pretty historic moment in uh, certainly my journey with you. So any time that we can pull that reference out, I'll be more than happy. The negative 40 where I thought I'd played my wild card and hadn't played my wild card, but still I managed to finish higher that season than what I did last season. So it shows you how difficult it can be. All right, if you're not familiar with the game and you're trying it for the first time, which probably most of you aren't, but anyway, quickly go with it. You've got 100 million to spend. You've got 15 players. You've got to make sure you've got two keepers, five defenders, five midfielders, and three forwards to select from. So, in saying that, premium sides quite often equals the premium players, do they not? They do, and unfortunately, you're limited to only having three players from any one particular side. So you can't have four players from Liverpool, five players from Man City as much as you'd love to because you can only have three at most. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that hurts because really the size like Liverpool, Man City, you could, you could have a Laporte, a Sterling, Sane, and then top it off with an Aguero and perhaps Edison and goals. And same with Liverpool, you could have Salah, Mane... Robertson, Alexander, Arnold, Van Dyke, uh, Allison. It, it's just mind blowing. But unfortunately, FPL doesn't work like that. Or fortunately, because it means it evens out the playing field. Mm. Yeah, so many different combinations of many different players. And it, you really have to stretch your knowledge across all the teams. Um, and there's a lot more thinking that goes into it because, um, particularly if you're really invested in it, you really need to work your transfer plans around fixtures, players in, in good form and um, stuff like that. So it's a little bit more in-depth than, say, the AFL fantasy. Yeah, let's just take... I'll take you back to last season and in that, he is right. Last wild card I had to play, I think it was a Friday night game that was coming up. I stayed up till... I think I spent two hours on my last wild card and then it ended up blowing up in my face anyway after all that hard work and all those different uh, combinations I was going to come up with, which was about 20, I think. And um, you often get, uh, well, I would say at least 15 screenshots a week, something somewhere along those lines. Somewhere in that ballpark, yeah. So 
it just goes to show that there's so many different players and it's a game of inches in FPL. Sometimes you can have uh, the lucky assists or the unlucky assists, um, goals that don't quite cross over the line and unfortunately you don't get any points unless it does. So it really is a game of inches and you can have good players playing good games but then end up with zero points to show for it, which uh, can be quite frustrating for, for managers. How about the time that Kane scored that goal that wasn't counted at the time? And if it's not counted that night, you don't get the points. And then it was ruled a goal four days later. Yeah, I remember you uh, <laughs> writing a, a strongly worded email to the uh, fantasy <laughs> people. Uh, not sure it was well received. I don't think uh, it did you any good, but um, that's just the, the emotional kind of guy that you are. It didn't change their minds. I've forgotten I'd written that email. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Now I look like a right jerk. Um, but hey, at the time I was emotional. I needed the points and I was trying to beat you, um, as well as probably our good mate, uh, Sari, who's... Uh, Hopefully, we'll be out there listening when we uh, upload this. So, uh, well, he's our sensei. You're the oracle, and I'm just the sporting one. So, um, so how do you find it? You're coming from a background where you've gotten into the Premier League, whereas I'm coming from a background of having watched it for probably since I was the age of 13, 14. So, how do you find it compared to me? I probably find it a little bit easier in a way but how do you find it because you've had to I guess learn a lot more a lot quicker but then you probably end up from from a fantasy perspective scoring more than what I do on most occasions yeah it's probably um, I don't really understand all the, the technical ins and outs of you know what's a fullback what's their roles um, what's their you know MO throughout the game uh, the attacking midfielders, defensive midfielders, what that all sort of means, the, the wings and all that sort of stuff. So that a lot of that stuff sort of goes over my head. I can pick it up and I do try and watch as much of it as I can to sort of learn. Um, but at the end of the day, it's very much a goals, assists and clean sheets um, based sort of um, conversation when it comes to the, the scoring aspect. So that's really the ins and outs that you need to know. And you need to know what players typically will provide those sort of stats. So you sort of cut through all the nitty and gritty with not having an extensive background, I guess, in that sort of sense. But um, yeah, like you said, you end up at the same point. You know which players are good and, and which are ones to avoid. Yeah, and also then that, then that sort of helps with the, um, obviously, the bonus point structure. So someone like Virgil van Dijk... Um, and say Aaron Wan-Bissaka, they're going to be ones that are going to get you bonus points because obviously Van Dyke does more of your clearances. Wan-Bissaka has a lot of interceptions and a lot of tackles. Um, guys like Mo Salah and Aubameyang are going to miss out on bonus points because they miss a lot of big chances which go against them. So therefore, in the scale for bonus points, they necessarily won't get those. So I guess that, that also comes into it. Um, I guess from my sense, I'll watch a whole game, but then I'll be looking for what style of player are they, what style of play are they bringing, and all of that kind of stuff. So I'll have more of that technical stuff to go with. Then looking for fantasy, and then getting upset and distraught at why they haven't scored. Um, so teams that are fixture proof, and I've picked three. You'll be happy with me because I've picked 
someone that you perhaps might not think I might have picked. But I've got Man City, obviously. Um, these these guys have been fixture-proof the last two seasons. Any side that can whip out 100 points and 98 points over two consecutive seasons, which no one's ever done before, they're fixture-proof. Whether it's Aguero, whether it's um, De Bruyne when he's back, there's a, um, Sterling... So they've got so many options, it's unbelievable. Um, Liverpool are another side that are fixture-proof. They're going to score. They're always going to score. And, and now they've got the defensive aspect with Van Dijk and Allison and the fullbacks. They're fixture-proof as well because they can always score at any time and they're also likely to provide clean sheets. What I've added into the mix, I'm very impressed with their the fact that, A, they've signed players because they haven't for 18 months. But the quality of players that they sign and the quality of players they're looking at potentially signing, which may come in before the deadline, and that's Tottenham. I feel like if they get the players that are potentially being linked, then Tottenham would become a side that's fixture-proof as well. Mm. Yeah, okay. So that term fixture-proof, what Paulie means by that is that they can play anyone on any ground and still have... um, the high potential to score well, whereas there might be other teams that aren't so good away from home or against the top six in particular, for example, and then their points will be affected because, A, they're not going to play that well, B, they won't score goals or they'll concede goals. So, yeah, that's what he means by fixture-proof, that these teams will do it against any opposition, Yeah, basically. And a classic example of that was the Community Shield that happened on the weekend. So we had uh, David Silva assisting Sterling, and then obviously we had um, Van Dyke assisting Matip for the goal. So even though they were playing each other, all of those guys, especially Sterling and Van Dyke, you're going to have, still scored points. Like from a fantasy perspective, even though it didn't count, just a case in point. Um, teams with good fixtures to start, from what I've seen... Uh, Everton has a very good um, list of fixtures. Um, start off at Crystal Palace away, which isn't ideal because Crystal Palace is a very tough place to go to. But um, they've got a few home fixtures, and I don't think they play or well, they play only one side in the top six from last season in the first fourteen fixtures, I believe. Mm. Um, but I might get you to check that out. Leicester's another one that's just got good fixtures. Bournemouth. And Aston Villa, despite playing Tottenham on the first game, if you can manage to perhaps somehow get Villa players in, but perhaps maybe keep them on your bench, after Tottenham, Villa's got um, a very, very nice run. So um, especially a goalkeeper like Tom Heaton, you could afford to put Tom Heaton in against Tottenham because the likelihood is he might concede goals, but he's likely to get save points as well. Um, Everton, obviously, you've got to look at guys like uh, Sigurdsson. Now, there's a massive signing of Moyes Keane from Juventus, who's the young forward. He's priced at 7 mil, I saw. Interested me a little bit, but I didn't go there. Obviously, you've got Lucas uh, Digne, who has gone up to 6 million. But again, we'll be on set pieces. We'll take penalties. He's one to watch and definitely one to have in your side. With Leicester, they've got a plethora of attacking options. Vardy, uh, 
a white uh, a woozy Perez who came in from Newcastle this summer, uh, Tillemans who came in from Monaco, played on there on loan last season, made his move permanent. Uh, then also you've got Albright and you've got uh, Harvey Barnes, you've got uh, Madison. James Madison who was the assist king last season. Um, and then Bournemouth have a very good start as well. Callum Wilson, we know, renowned FPL royalty. Ryan Fraser, the same. Um, possibility that Harry Wilson's going there on loan. Don't know his price yet. In fact, it's confirmed he's gone there on loan, but we don't know his price yet. Um, Jordan Ibes had a good start to the season. Would I go there again? Probably not. But um, also in defence, Nathan Acker for Bournemouth is a very good option can score a few goals, and when they're at home, is more likely to keep um, clean sheets as well. Also for Bournemouth, I think it's Adam Smith at uh, fullback and Diego Rico as well. They're both options as well. So there's options galore in all those four sides. Aston Villa's a little bit more unknown because they're coming up from the championship, but they have spent big. Um, they've got Heaton, obviously, in from Burnley. Um, they've got John McGinn at 5.5, who was a revelation in the championship last year. They've got Jack Grealish, who has played in the Premier League before. They've got a different version of a Jota uh, in midfield. Um, it's just wait and see on some of the promoted sides to see how they play and who is going to be their main threats from attack and defence. And uh, speaking of the newly promoted sides, we saw last year uh, Wolverhampton come up and they absolutely blitzed it. They had um, a terrific season the year previous in the championship and then they came in and just made every post a winner. There was a number of players from the Wolves that spent a large proportion um, of the season in our fantasy teams. Players like Jimenez, uh, Jota, um, Doherty in defence. Yes, Doherty. Um, so, yeah, there was a number of players. Is there any team coming up from the championship that you can expect a similar sort of storyline this year, do you think? Oh, gee, I can't see it this season. Norwich and Sheffield United, as good as they were, I don't see the same uh, intent that Wolverhampton brought. Unfortunately, I'd love to say Aston Villa because they have got that Premier League pedigree, having been in there so long, and they've spent a fair bit of money. But the only thing is, is that every side that's been promoted from finish it, from winning the playoff in the last four years has been relegated. So they're fighting history at the moment. But if any side could do it, it's Aston Villa. Aston Villa is probably the one that excites me the most uh, out of those three. Sheffield United are solid. Um, they've got in... Um, Callum Robinson, who's a very good uh, signing, will be playing attacking mid. Um, they've got Billy Sharp, who scores goals for fun in the championship. Only issue is, can he convert that over to the Premier League? But he is a good shot at $6 million. Um, so you're not... If he's a bench option or your third striker, you could afford to have a have a pot shot at that. Um, the uh, Norwich have got... Uh, they play... Apparent, I was watching a... Um, season preview last night they play a very similar style and this could work for them uh, to uh, what Wigan played and to what Liverpool play uh, because their manager is German and he does like the same formation as what Klopp brings and the same sort of press so we could see that played out against Liverpool which would be quite ironic but they've got that Pookie I think I think that's how you say it he's 6.5 
he was the star striker, and he's going to be scoring most of the goals again. There is a guy in midfield who is very similar to and took James Madison's position. Um, I don't know if I can pronounce it, and I'm not sure his price. Can you just check Norwich for me? I think his name is starts with a B, and it's Borben. Oh, yeah, Borben something, and I know it's about six mil. So he would be one because he plays exactly the same position. Uenda? Where is it? Uh, that's it. Yeah, how, how would you say that? Uh, we'll go with Buenda. Buendia. <laughs> Buendia or Buendia. Anyway, he took Madison's position and he excelled last year in that. So you could get a similar output from what Madison produced last season. So that could be an option as well. It's just wait and see on the promoted sides, I think, before you act. The only ones that I'd be certain of would be Billy Sharp from Sheffield United, uh, Pookie from Norwich, uh, and... Also, Heaton from Aston Villa. But then there are some cheap options in defence. So, Lundstrom from Sheffield United and uh, Phil Jagielka from Sheffield United. Lundstrom's 4 mil, been playing midfield, but he's a defender. Quite handy, has got a couple of assists in pre-season. Phil Jagielka, they could keep clean sheets at home. And look, 4.5 million for a proven Premier League player over the years is not that much, and he could be a good option. Matt Target from Aston Villa didn't get the playing time at Southampton that he would have liked. Very good uh, on the left as a left back. Could provide assists, so he could be an option. Um, Norwich, not really many defenders that are sticking out at all, um, but that could that could come. Um, so we'll just have to uh, wait and see on a few of the promoter ones. But if you're looking for the cheap options, that's where they are. So next question. Now, over the years, I've gone a heavy-hitting attack and then based it around that. Um, but last season, we saw the rise of the defence in terms of Van Dyke, Americ Laporte, Kyle Walker, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robinson... Or as we affectionately known him as Robbo. Um, Didier. Even to Tottenham, uh, Vertonghen. Adewainen. Juan Basaka. Um, Phil Jones to a lesser extent. No, I won't go there. Um, so, do we go a heavy, heavy hitting defence? Do we go a heavy hitting midfield? Or do we go a heavy hitting attack? And this extends to keepers with defence as well because... Do you go for an Allison or Edison, who were the two top keepers last season, or do you go for guys like Pope or Heaton, who were the top keepers from the previous seasons? Yeah, well, that is the the million-dollar question there. Um, I think in terms of value, I would definitely be favouring defence over attack. We've seen not too many of the big price forwards be all that reliable, with probably the exception of Aguero. Um, Harry Kane is... A terrible starter. Can't score in August to save his life. Uh, yeah, well, in backing that up, he is yet to score in August. Uh, they played into Milan. He didn't score. Well, it's only one game. But, uh, yeah, 
well known for his uh, August struggles and early season struggles. Um, Bamiyang is good when he plays, but for whatever reason, Emery loves to rotate uh, his forwards like it's going out of fashion. And how will the addition of Nicolas Pepe affect that this season? We don't know because you've got Lacazette, you've got Pepe, you've got Aubameyang, you've got uh, Ozil. Potentially Coutinho. Potentially Coutinho if he doesn't go to Tottenham. So, yeah, um, the big forwards, there's a lot of question marks over them. Um, even Sterling's not in line, uh, sorry, uh, Aguero's not even in line to start the start of the season either. Um, so I think uh, budgeting in the, in the forwards is probably the way to go and uh, loading up in, in midfield and defence. Well, I'm loading up in... We'll go through our sides towards the end. But I'm loading up in midfield over defence and attack. And in previous seasons, I've gone the heavy hitters. I've gone Kane and Aubameyang from the off or Kane and Aguero from the off. And that's a good chunk. That's a quarter. But doing that, that's a quarter of your squad investment right there. That's usually a good 23 to 25 mil. And then you've got to try and find bargains based around that this year i've kind of gone a balanced defense with sort of ones at every price point and then in midfield midfield is where i've mainly spent the cash and i've splashed and that's because they're the guys that are going to be at the highest price point are going to be the ones playing so sterling's had a rested summer salah got knocked out earlier the african cup of nations so he was back early um and Sigurdsson was rested up. Uh, who else is in there? De Bruyne had a nice even summer as well. Ericsson, Ali, all of these guys, they've been rested up. Whereas your forwards, Kane, we know his August struggles, as you said. Aguero, not convinced to start. Firmino, um, still coming back from um, Copa America. So all of those guys are not firing at this point in time. Yeah, fair call. Um, so, yeah, what do we move on to now, do you reckon? So, uh, in terms of the keepers and uh, whether you go budget or primo, I think um, there is a bit of a fine line there. We saw there were a couple teams that were really reliable when it came to clean sheets and then teams that weren't so reliable. So, Allison last year kept the most clean sheets, I believe. Yes. Uh, followed by Edison. Yes. So... Those are the two that you'd look at if you're going to be spending the big money. On the flip side, as Paul mentioned earlier, teams that are likely to concede goals are also likely to have decent enough keepers to also get save points, which can stack up and can award them bonus points too, um, particularly if they were to save you know, upward of five to, to ten in that sort of range. And a, and a perfect example of that, perfect keeper for that, is a perennial FPL favourite of ours, Fabianski. Mm. And also stuff like penalty saves and stuff like that. Oh, Etheridge, yep. So, yeah, there's an argument for both, to be honest. And I guess you just have to sort of go with the flow in a sense that if there's teams that are you're expecting to clean sheets, uh, to keep clean sheets but aren't, you know, maybe it's time to bite the bullet go to the ones that are or the ones that are getting save points. You don't want to be stuck in that middle ground where they're sort of only conceding one goal, but it's enough to lose that four points 
mm. off their clean sheet. So you're, you're sort of stuck in no man's land if they're not then getting save points because their defence is actually good. So it's, it's, a, a, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. It's a balance. It's a fine line. Now, last season I went the premium keeper to start off with. I went with uh, Allison, and look, in hindsight, I kept it for about oh, almost two-thirds of the season and then went budget, and that didn't pay off. But having said that, the previous season I went budget at the start and the rotation, and it worked. So it can work, and it just depends on the keepers for that season. So so where Heaton's moved to Aston Villa, that's opened up three or four potential keeper options at 4.5. So that means to me that I can go Heaton and Aston Villa, and I could go and Nick Pope at uh, Burnley, and I can re- and they were both together on the same team. The well, war they were now they're not. So that means I know that Burnley at home are quite strong defensively. So I can have say a Pope, and then I can have Heaton for perhaps fixtures at his home, and then rotate them. Um, and then Matt Ryan from Brighton, we know he's very good uh, FPL wise, can save penalties, does get save points. Fabianski, although he's a bit higher in price, um, another one. More at the premium end is Lloris, uh, your boy. He has a knack of saving penalties mm. as well as providing clean sheets because Spurs do, when fit, have one of the strongest defences through Vertonghen and Ada Weireld. I got there in the end. Um, I'll just call him Ada. Um, so Ada and, uh, and the Tong uh, at central defence provides a very strong base that Spurs don't often get breached unless they're playing a top six side. Um, so this year, I'm, I'm leaning towards going back to the bargain keeper sense. Yeah, well, I think I'm with you as well. And, and those two keepers that you mentioned are very attractive. They are exceptional keepers on their day. The, the problem was that they were both in the same team. So um, neither one of them was really assured to start. And then there was also injury and all that sort of confusion. But as it is now, they're both fit. They're both going to be the number one keepers for their sides. Mm. And we've seen in the past that they're terrific at keeping clean sheets and having save points. And the fact that they come in at 4.5 million uh, is kind of like a no-risk sort of factor for me. So It means you can spend elsewhere the extra cash you might need to go from, say, uh, Billy Sharp to Callum Wilson. Mm. Or a Barkley to a... Sigerson. Yeah, exactly. Um, who, ironically, also used to play together. Um, so, in saying that, now, you played a particular game last year that I want to talk about. And others have played a different game. And I tried to follow you in that game, but it burnt me in the end. It didn't burn you, but it burnt me. So, it's called the money game or the keeping tight game. Now, the money game is where, early on, you chase the transfers of the players that are rapidly increasing in price, especially over the inter- the early international breaks. The keeping tight game is just following the trend of maybe doing a transfer every two weeks when you've got the rollover. For, so you will get one transfer every week, but it rolls over into two and you don't get any more than a max of two unless you use a wild card. Now, a lot of people use this. Free transfers, correct. Otherwise, you can do as many as you want, as I've proven with my negative 40. But it will cost you that amount of points. 
what particular game are you looking at last year or at this year, or are you looking at doing something in between? Um, probably something in between, but I think I will be aggressive again with the money game. So the idea for me last year was to trade out players that are going to be losing value, which happens um, every week, and trade in players that are going to be increasing in value. So if you can do a 0.2 swing, for example, um, you know, you're coming out on top. And then the idea for me last year was to have the biggest budget, biggest salary, so that I could afford the best players um, towards the back end of the season when it would be really advantageous to be able to have a team stacked full of, say, you know, your Agueros, your Sterlings, your Salas um, across every line and have no weak links, which I was able to do to a degree. But then it's such a difficult game that that's not always exactly um, how well it pans out. You know, you might have those players, but they might have off weeks here and there. So, yeah, at the end of the year, uh, we all ended up in around about the same spot, which was interesting because we all had these different strategies. So, so I think you had the most cash. Yeah. I was about the middle. And Sari, who was ahead of us, had the least amount of cash. So it goes to show that there is many different ways of doing it. And if you can find the right way that works for you, um, just go with that. So I think there were a couple of times last year where I probably did one too many trades and the end goal for one transfer is to make at least 0.2. Otherwise, you will not get a profit on it. You need at least 0.2 to be able to gain 0.1. Yeah. So, so, so what he means by that is, so say Aaron Wan-Bissaka last year started at $4 million for Crystal Palace. I think he ended up around somewhere like $5 million. But early on, he got to as high as 4.6. So you've already made from the point that you bought him four. So you've made 0.6. But if you go to sell him, you'll lose 0.3 of that. But you've still made 0.3 profit. So that's the thing. It's trying to make the quick money so your team value goes up. So therefore, it increases and you've got the ability, like you say, to go at the end of the season and get your Salars or Bamiyangs, Agueros, whoever. Um, but like you said, it doesn't always work like that. Yeah. So it's all good and well to trade in a player. They go up straight away. But if there's no potential for them to go up again, then you don't actually get anything out of it unless, of course, they have good weeks, which is never a guarantee. So, yeah, you really got to think long-term when you do your trades. Um, things like fixtures come into play when it comes in uh, like that. So, yeah, I think um, it was a good learning experience last year doing that. So hopefully I can um, pick it up a little bit quicker this year and make more money at the right times and the right players at the right times and not do as many transfers probably as I did last because... It certainly cost me um, in terms of negatives throughout the year. Yeah, I think I was too reactive with a few players as well. Sometimes it's better to hold than to fold. And so someone like Jimenez, I got out, but then I got back in. But then if you get them out, you lose what you made on them. So then when you're buying them back, it kind of stings you a bit because you're not getting that increase. You, you basically lose the increase you got pretty much. And I think I did that with Salah as well. So maybe I'll be a bit more holding rather than folding this season. So I guess that just leaves it to our potential science. Um, and I know because I'm on my phone, I know I sent you mine. Yeah. I know you can read my mind, boy. <laughs> um, sorry, Simpsons reference. Um, 
So I've gone with, and I've gone actually really budget in my keepers. I've tried to maximise my squad as much as I can. So I've gone Nick Pope um, at home at home to Southampton in the first game from Burnley. I've got Lucas Digne, who we talked about. I've gone Van Dyke, uh, solid as a rock in the Liverpool defence. Now, Kyle Walkers-Peters is one for Tottenham to really watch for because Kieran Trippier has been sold to uh, Atletico Madrid. He's literally, and with Serge Aurier coming back from Copa America, he's really got a mortgage on that right back spot, at least in the early part of the season. So at five million, he's a no-brainer for mine to have him my side. Yeah, in a good defence, and as you said, Aurier nowhere to be seen. He's kind of on the outer anyway, as it is, because he didn't play that much last year. And uh, Walker Peters has started every single preseason game and done enough to warrant. A starting position. Yeah, and the other one in my defence, and it's a cheaper way into the Man City defence, and these are the things you got to look for. It's Azinachenko. Um, now, he's at 5.5. All of the other guys, I think Bar John Stones, I think John Stones and I know many at 5.5 as well, but it's a cheap way in um, if you can't get Laporte. And he's got a mortgage also on the left-back position because there's no Fabian Delph. He's gone to Everton. And Mendy, Mendy and there's no Bernard Mendy either. So it's it's a no-brainer for me. He will start the season um, pretty much and have a uh, mortgage on that spot as well. That's right. And uh, one of Pep's favourite too. So uh, good chance that he won't get rotated. Yeah, exactly. All right, in midfield, this is where I've spent my money. Uh, I've got Salah as captain this week against Norwich at home. Looks in very solid form. Was very good against... Um, Man City and his community shield just didn't get the results. Sterling, he looks on form. It's a no-brainer. You've got to have Sterling in there. I've got uh, Sigurdsson. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I know you're not going in. Uh, but at 8 million, good start to the season. I think he's solid as a rock. Uh, also, Tillemans. I was excited by what he produced last season. I did have him in, to, in my side towards the end of last season. So, no-brainer. And then I've rounded it off with Dion Decker, who from Wolves as the bench option for my midfield. In attack, I've gone mid-priced. I've gone Rashford, despite his fixtures. Um, he's just scoring for fun in preseason, and I think he can carry that over. And I've gone Callum Wilson. Um, again, flying at the moment. He had a flying start to last season. I can see him doing it again. As my backup, I've got uh, Connor Wickham. And as my backup in defence, as we spoke about, I've got uh, Lonstrom from Sheffield United at four. And then as my keeper... I've got Button at $4 million, but he probably won't play. So it's a dud keeper. So if anything happens to Nick Pope, I'm in strife. Very nicely done. Um, pretty similar sort of team from me. Um, certainly as team-wise, there's a lot of similar representation, maybe just a few tweaks on what you've got. I also have Pope as well. Um, I've got Heaton as my backup. They're both 4.5. We spoke about them and how good they are. So hopefully they have a great start to the season. Um, I've got Van Dyke and Alexander-Arnold, two players that scored extremely well last year. Uh, Walker-Peters that we just spoke about, Zinchenko also. Um, moving to the midfield, I've got two City players. I've got Bernard, Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne. Now, De Bruyne didn't have the greatest years last year owing to injury, so he's got a lot of football in him certainly this season, and I think he's going to have a great great season definitely i tried to get him into my side but i just yeah just couldn't squeeze him in um he is an assist okay. threat 
at all times. Can score goals as well. Um, Looked very lively in the Community Shield as well. So that's all going well for Man City. Yeah, and he's much cheaper than he has in previous seasons, just for the fact that he didn't really get on the park last year. Salah, I think uh, he'll have a great start to the season, as he always does. And as we spoke about, Everton's great fixtures have gone for Richarlson. (laughs) You couldn't go to Gerton, could you? If anyone knows, there's a running saga with... uh, uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson that whenever um, the Oracle brings in Sigurdsson uh, Sigurdsson goes off the boil so if the Oracle brings in Sigurdsson I urge you to sell him at all costs yeah. uh, probably the pinnacle of it last year was he was my captain for a week and he missed a penalty so he went into the minus which of course was double minus for me so um, yeah me and Siggy do not have a very good for, uh, fantasy relationship which is a shame because he is one of my favourites. But um, um, forward line, uh, we spoke about the difficulties in trusting the premiums. So I've gone for the mid-prices as well. I've gone Jimenez, who had a great season last year, scored in just about every game towards the back end of the year. If he didn't score, he assisted. He so yeah. um, I think he's great value. I think he's only 7.5. I've got Josh King, who's an alternative Ooh. to Wilson, a little bit cheaper. Um and when he's in form and fit, he's just as good as Wilson. And then um, we, we've sort of, we've swapped roles with that because last season you were on Wilson and I was on King. Yeah. So um, my bench options, none of them are too pretty. I might have to spend a little bit more time thinking these over. But I do like Dan Donker from um, Wolves. He comes in. Not sure where from, but with. Good raps. He was he was there last season. He just didn't play as much. I think with an extra season under his belt at four point five, he can be a solid bench job. I don't know whether he's going to start, but he will definitely be playing. Mm, he's definitely in a few projected sides, so that's good. And at four point five, great value. Relatively risk free at four point five. Um, Matt Target at Aston Villa put him on the bench for the first game against Tottenham, and uh, Mason Greenwood, who's had a really good start to the preseason and his Manchester career. Probably not going to be starting too many games, but he might come on for about 20 minutes, which could be handy if you have a player missing. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the same reason as Con- Connor Wickham from Crystal Palace. He's back to full fitness now. So given that Crystal Palace have had issues with Zaha, um, they've still got Benteke there, there, there's room for him to play as well. So, But Greenwood, like you said, absolutely been ripping it up in preseason. Gives you that option that if something does happen, he nicks a goal in like the 90th minute. You've got back up there. Yeah, that's right. So um, went full budget on the mid, on the bench, which a lot of people do. You don't get a lot of points from that. Um, only towards the back end of the season do you really worry about who's on there so that you can get uh, full use out of your wild cards and uh, all your chips. Well, yeah. Too, uh, early in the season, you go, you maximise. The key is maximise your first 11 as much as possible because they're going to play. But your bench is where you can go cheap. But the two parts of the season you don't want to go cheap on your bench are basically December, January, and towards the end of the season, yeah, March, April, May. You need to have cover during those times. All right, so that's going to bring us to the end of our first uh, Premier League Fantasy episode, Mo Money, Mo Problems for this season. Remember, the deadline to get your teams in is, in a, well, South Australian time, it's 3.30 a.m. Saturday morning. Uh, really, really awkward time. So make sure you do it before you go to bed Friday night, after the Friday night footy. Um, and 
basically we'll speak to you next week but um if you want to get what we've done with the afl if you want to get your listener questions in uh send them send them through via uh facebook on the sporting one uh instagram at the sporting one or on twitter one underscore sporting and basically send them through to uh send them through and we'll get uh we'll get them cracking for the next podcast and uh also you can join the sporting ones fpl league uh which i think hados you've got the uh code there somewhere for us too that we can uh pop through and um let the people know but this podcast is available on all your good uh podcast platforms which is uh Basically, um, Spotify, Anchor, CastBox, Podbeam, um, also Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes. Um, and yeah, basically, we'll be seeing you next week. And just get you that code, which I think, there we go. So the code is jh 2 Y six zero to join the Sporting Ones FPL League and are trying to take us down pretty much. That's pretty much what it's all about. There are no prizes. It's just all pride, which we know a lot of you have a lot of pride in your uh, fantasy side. So good to interact and good to have a bit of banter. So like we said, send those questions in uh, and send your potential uh, trades in for the uh, transfers in for the first week. And uh, Oracle, I reckon uh, we're both done. Very nicely uh, sporting one. Um, good luck to anyone joining the league and giving it a crack this year. And uh, hopefully it doesn't do your head in too much. No, exactly. Good luck to your sides. And uh, like we say, mo money, mo problems. See you later, guys.